0: Welcome to the Runners Connect, Run to the Top Podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Lucas Felton.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Runners Connect podcasts and round two with the Spence family. I'm your host, Lucas Felton. Many, many runners have been at a point where they feel like they just can't catch a break. An injury happens, it heals, and then something else goes wrong, and so on, and so on. Neely Spence Gracie has experienced her fair share of that cycle. After having never suffered a major injury from eighth grade through college, she suffered two stress fractures, a bout with Lyme disease, and a broken kneecap that required surgery all in the space of two years. Perhaps most frustrating of all were the flashes of brilliant performance in between those periods of injury. Through all of this, Neely has done a remarkable job of staying positive and motivated. She has also truly come to appreciate the simple act that is running. A few of the things that Neely and I discussed included, her progression in the sport and the importance of incremental increases and in quality over quantity in training, the unique experience of having her father as a coach and the balance that they both had to find to make the two relationships work, the importance of finding doctors and therapists that you feel you can trust when you're injured. Neely's advice on how to reduce injuries and how to speed recovery when already injured, and finally, Neely's renewed appreciation for all parts of her running. As usual, any resources mentioned in this podcast can be found at runnersconnect.net slash runninginterviews slash Neely Spence Gracie. I'm your host, Lucas Felton, and thanks for listening. So Neely, thanks for being on the show today. Can you uh, start out by giving us a bit about your running background and how you started?
0: Well, I think it was sort of inevitable that I was going to become a runner because my dad was literally running the Boston Marathon when I was born, (laughs) so that's my goal Sunday is to run the Boston Marathon, but I was just born into a running family, Um, both my parents were runners, Um, I don't think my mom gets enough credit, but she was a 17 flat 5k runner before she had me, and then I sort of ended her running career for a (laughs) while, so... (laughs) Um, But, you know, I just, I grew up with it being normal, you know, when I was little, my dad came to, like, career day at school, and, like, to me, it was just like, isn't everyone else's dad, like, in the Olympics, and a professional (laughs) runner? So, that was always sort of my goal, was to be like my dad, and so here I am, um, you know, I started training competitively in eighth grade and since then it's just continued
1: so other than your dad who were and your and your mom who were some of your early uh influences in the sport
0: it was neat because i would get to travel with my dad to a lot of races so i remember like having dinner with marla runyon and you know just hanging out with like top elite athletes um at all these different races and stuff and so I think that it wasn't until I started my own running that I really recognized um, and realized that, like, these people were people that I looked up to. Um, So, you know, there's a whole host of female athletes out there, um, Dina Castor, Kara Goucher, Shalane, um, and then a lot of people my age as well that, you know, I really look up to and admire and rely on. And um, it's neat now that I am, you know, a professional myself, I now am, you know, I'm meeting up to run with Kara tomorrow. And, you know, so it's just, like, it's a whole different world now. Um, But in high school, it was really helpful to have these mentors and these people to look up to and to see, like, what they had done and recognize that they started where I was at. And it gave me inspiration to know that if I kept working hard like they did, that... There, that the sky was the limit. There was so much there for me to explore.
1: So can you describe kind of your training progression from when you started in eighth grade kind of up to now?
0: Sure. So eighth grade, I was very minimal with my training. Um, I actually watched the Footlocker Cross Country Championships on TV, and I looked at my dad, and I was like, oh, I want to go. That looks like so much fun. He was like, yeah, it's like the Olympics for high school. Like, you literally, you know, you get, um, like, a free trip to California, and they put you up in this really fancy hotel, and they like, pay for you all, to, for all this stuff, and then, you know, you get to race the top athletes in the country, and I was like, I want to do that, he's like, well, you know, you have to be pretty good, like, you better start running, and I was like, okay, I guess so, so I started, um, training, and I did about, probably, like, 20 to 25 miles a week, um, so a lot of quality work, um, but not a lot of quantity, and so, ninth grade, I was, so, like, a year uh, into training, um, I had run in the 1740s for a track 5k, and so, like, things had just sort of, like, progressed really quickly for me, so my dad was really surprised, I think, and we just kept the mileage pretty minimal um, the whole way through high school to the end where I was running, like, maybe 50 mile weeks, and so... I made it to Flocker, finally, my junior and senior year both, and I placed 8th as a junior and then 4th as a senior, and I was the top senior that year, so that was, like, really cool, and then, you know, I did track nationals and all of that stuff as well, and so my last high school race, I finally won, like, a national title, so that was, like, very motivational going into my collegiate years. And then when I was a collegiate, I ran at Shippensburg under my dad um, and probably got up to, like, maybe 60 to 70 as, like, a normal. Um, Very few doubles, though. So, overall, my mileage has been relatively low, I think, my entire running career.
1: So, a focus on quality over quantity kind of the whole time, then?
0: Yeah, it always was. um, You know, I think... I probably did two to three workouts a week, plus a long run, so whenever I was doing, you know, the stuff back in, like, eighth grade and early high school, um, throughout high school, the whole time, I took a day off every week, but the first two years, I would have, like, two or three days off each week, so, you know, all I did, pretty much, were workouts, um, in eighth grade and then by ninth grade we started to add in like maybe an easy day of running here or there and then 10th and 10th 11th and 12th grade I'd say um, I was pretty consistent went five to six days a week of training um, races and all that was sometimes add an extra day of hard effort but yeah we were very conservative um, and that's my dad's approach I think is you know he has so much success with people leaving Shippensburg University still loving to run that he never wants to just like try and squeeze everything out of an athlete. He wants people to feel like they have more left and so that was sort of always the approach that he took with me as well. And so that's how I graduated college knowing like I want to be a professional athlete and I know that there's so much more for me to explore because I love running more than ever and I'm not burnout out at all. So I think he set me up really well.
1: Speaking of that, describe being coached by your dad from when you started running all the way through college, not something a lot of runners, especially in the U.S., uh, get to do.
0: Yeah, it's very true. You know, it's sort of funny because I guess I didn't really know any different. Um, so. <laughs> It just seemed normal, you know, in eighth grade that my dad, obviously, you know, he's one of, like, very few Olympians in the whole state of Pennsylvania, so it just made complete sense for me that he would be the one that would train me. Um, And then throughout high school, I had a couple high school coaches that would help support me, um, but the majority of, like, the science of my training was still done through my dad, And then once I got to college, it was the same thing. So, you know, we really were able to figure out that father-daughter-coach-athlete relationship. And I think we did a good job of trying to have a balance with it. You know, it can be tough because as, you know, a coach, he would feel the need to be really hard on me at times. But as a dad, he would recognize that, you know, maybe I was just struggling and, like, it was something else, you know, completely unrelated to running or something that was why I was having a tough day or or whatever it would be. And so I think that, um, especially when I went to college, we tried to do the, like, at practice he's coach and he's just coach, and it didn't really work. Um, You know, I still called him dad, like, (laughs) at practice. (laughs) But um, I think that overall we were able to... Find that balance, and so since I didn't really know any different, um, we didn't really have any issues with it. It's been funny because my sisters have since tried the whole running thing, and they and my dad never quite figured out the whole coach <laughs> either, um, father-daughter relationship thing. So I I don't know I don't know if it's just because of our personalities or um, whatnot, but it's been really special to share that with him and. I think, um, you know, we had so many really awesome experiences together that's really brought us really close, and I, you know, wouldn't trade that for the world. It's been a really fun thing that we can share this together.
1: That's really cool. So I'd like to focus on um, a bit about injuries for a little while. You've had a couple of major injuries since you left college. Is that right? A stress fracture and then this recent surgery?
0: Yeah, so I've actually had... Um, two stress fractures and a surgery since college, since graduating. Um, and so I broke my foot, um, my senior year in a race, um, Mm. and ended up missing the Olympic trials. So that was really frustrating. Um, but it gave me, I made the most of it. It gave me the opportunity to, um, you know explore what options were out there for me as a professional um without the strain of trying to train and you know so many athletes only have the like tiny window between ncaa's and usa's to like sign a deal and all that stuff and it's like that's the busiest time of training and you're also trying to make this huge life decision you know so it was nice to not have that pressure um so i did a bunch of visits and everything Ended up signing with Brooks and Hanson's and moved there June 1st of 2012 and um, had a really great fall, um, really great winter. Um, I was very pleased with my training. Things really clicked and I think I had taken like the speed component um, of the more quality stuff that I had done in college, I combined it with more of the strength program that Hanson's offers and the combination worked out really well for me um so i ended up running you know a uh, track pr in the 10k my first track 10k ever i ran 32:16 and won um in zata at Zatapec in uh, australia so that was a big race for me and then i came off that got married um and <laughs> then um minor mine, details Exactly. It was great because I had, like, right after that race, I had two weeks to prepare for my wedding, so it was, like, oh, yoy. Um, for those two weeks, and I didn't mind, like, taking off my break from not running, you know, because usually I go crazy during those two weeks where I can't run, so it all worked out, um, started back to running right after the wedding, um, our honeymoon turned into more of like a training trip in Mexico, <laughs> which was fun um, and pretty ideal. Both my husband and I are runners, and we ran at Schimmelsberg together, so it was it seemed like a natural thing for us. Um, and then World Cross was my big one, where I was 13th in the world in Poland, um, March 2013. And then I really struggled to come back from that race. And conditions were really bad, um, and we had done a lot of strength work to build up to, you know, racing cross-country. And then we tried to flip the switch to track stuff, and my body just was not ready to handle speed. And so I got on the track and just beat my body up a couple times and ended up dropping out of um, Stanford And just did not feel normal or like myself in any way. And then I had um, went back after we got back from California and found out that I had a stress fracture in my fibula. But that healed in like two weeks. That one was pretty quick. Um, So I was able to get back to training relatively quickly. So last summer I was out in Colorado again training. And then ended up getting awesome training in. Felt great. Um, went back to sea level ready to roll and got really sick, had no idea what was wrong with me. Um, I found out I had Lyme's disease, so <laughs> battled that all fall um, and it was really weird how it created like inflammation in my tendons and so I was like experiencing like severe tendonitis that would just like come and go with like no rhyme or reason and my body just felt terrible, and so it was, it was really strange, but as soon as I got on the medicine, um, two weeks, like, things turned around, and then took, like, six weeks, really solid training through, like, October, November, was feeling great, super ready to roll, and, like, midway through a long run, felt something weird in my knee, and it took three months to find out that my kneecap had separated, um, I have something called p- patella bipartite, which basically the kneecap, um, whenever you're a baby, is just cartilage. And then when you learn to walk, it fuses to bone. And so mine never like completely fused over. And so I had um, like this stripe of cartilage, and essentially it just like ripped up my kneecap in half. And so they had to go in and take a piece off <laughs> And since the surgery, March 6th, I've had nothing but steady improvement, um, and it's been great. I haven't had a single setback. I started running four weeks later, and eight weeks later was up to, like, pretty much normal training. So I'm feeling really good now. I'm doing workouts. I'm out here in Colorado getting my altitude work in, also going to the Olympic Training Center. And getting work done um, to make sure that, you know, everything's balanced. Um, there's no, like, discrepancies with um, strength because of having the surgery and stuff like that. So all that stuff is getting worked out. And we're doing a really nice, long, slow buildup here um, of just base phase stuff so that we can hopefully ward off any more injuries that want to come my way since pretty much everything that's happened has been you know just completely strange and only one of them was really a result of overtraining.
1: So what you were describing before it sounds like you didn't really have much of any kind of problem at all for the first nine or ten years of your of running <laughs> so that's got to. so having these three major injuries and good training and then injury and then good training and then injury that's got to be pretty wearing mentally how do you how did you deal with that
0: unfortunately with this practice makes perfect so each one has gotten a little bit easier emotionally because (laughs) I learned how to deal with it Um, but I think the biggest thing is I've learned what I need to do to stay positive not beat myself up over things try and learn from you know whatever opportunities are presented that I need to learn from. Also, I definitely am someone that needs like some sort of activity every day. If I don't have that, I just, it's just part of my lifestyle. You know, we talk about that with running is that running is a lifestyle. It's not just a sport. And everything we do is revolves around our run that day and our run, you know, preparing for the run the next day and all that. And so I think um, I found that if I can start my day off with something then the rest of the day will go so much better and emotionally I'll be better so fortunately through all of my injuries I was able to use the elliptigo and so I have an elliptigo and this winter I set it up in my living room and every morning I would wake up and I'd do like 20 to 30 minutes on the elliptigo while I watched some sort of morning TV show and that just got my day started right and so, you know, it's just little things I think that you have to find, you know, what works for you. And I found that that really helped me out. And also, like, surrounding myself with support, people who I trust, um, people who can, you know, listen to me but also give me, you know, real advice and aren't afraid to tell me, you know, this is reality and, Sometimes it's hard to hear that, but it's also really important um, because, you know, false hopes and all that stuff just, you know, it doesn't carry you very far, so um, I went home for my surgery, and I spent two months at home, and that was really helpful. I have PTs at home who worked with me um, in Shippensburg who I really trust, and they you know, I've been working with them since I pretty much started running. And so they were very good at guiding me. And I would definitely, you know, hopefully I don't have to go back and see them for a while. But that's definitely, you know, a really good thing for me to know is like, I need to be around medical people who trust, who I can trust fully. Because the first injury that I had, I dealt with some people um, along the way who I didn't really trust and who were giving me some faulty advice and then I wasn't trusting myself and so I think having people who you can trust and who know you and can work with you um, is really beneficial so it was nice to go home and get to spend two months I felt revived after my time there
1: yeah it's kind of hard finding people you trust because you see somebody and it says md at the end of their name and you think well like they, they're gonna fix me and it's then there. it doesn't go your way
0: yeah so. and like for this me thing you know it took three months to figure out what was wrong and i saw over the course of that time like over i think it was like eight different types of doctors and you know each person provided more and more insight because they were just building puzzle pieces um, off of what the last one had said. So, you know, it made sense. Like, when you started with, they thought it was just IT band. So it would make sense. So then I just kept running, and then um, it just got worse and worse. And then finally it was like, I can't run at all. Um, and then it was like, okay, it's tendinitis, it's patella misalignment, it's, you know bursitis it's a baker's cyst it's patella femoral syndrome i went through like every possible thing you can imagine and it was each person was just like you just need to take a couple weeks off you just need to take a couple weeks off and like you know three months later i'm like i've taken three months off and it's not helping <laughs> and so finally i was like can we please just do an mri and so now i know like next time you know don't just guess get every possible you know, thing done so that you can have as many answers as possible and um, you know, that's another thing I took away from this.
1: So your dad described that surgery for us a bit, can you, can you describe it in a little more detail?
0: Sure, so basically um, on like the outside of my knee, um, right at the top of the kneecap, they basically made a, a like one inch incision, went in and there wasn't a lot to remove from that area. Because it's literally just the kneecap is like right there. So it was really good because they didn't really have to like push a, push aside a lot of like tendons, muscle tissue, all that stuff. And so they went in and just literally took that piece off and filed the bone down a little bit and stitched it back up, um, sealed it with glue and... The doctor told me that on, like, a scale of 1 to 10, this was, like, a 1 in difficulty level. So, he's like, it should literally take, like, 15 minutes for me to do the whole thing. And I wanted to ask if I could keep the little piece that he took, right. But by the time I got back to, like, the surgery room, I was already, like, knocked out. So, I, I didn't get it. <laughs> Darn. I have the same problem on the other knee, um, but it never separated. So it's sort of one of those, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, And so I'm just, like, hoping and praying every day that nothing ever happens to it. Because I guess this is a pretty common thing that a lot of people have, but very rarely does anyone ever have any issues because of it. So I'm just hoping that, you know, like the the PT was like it'd be like a one in a million chance that your other one would break also so I'm just hoping that it's not that one in a million chance (laughs) that reoccurs sometime
1: so even though that surgery as you described it was pretty minor um, your blog on your website neelyruns.com describes Mm -hmm. a pretty intense and involved uh, rehab and physical therapy routine tell us about that process
0: So, I started PT the day after surgery, and it was literally just sitting on the edge of a bench and just bending my leg down, and then someone else would straighten it up, and then I'd bend it down, and someone would straighten it up, and it hurt so bad, but it was just working that tissue, you know, and um, flushing the swelling out and all that. So, I did physical therapy three times a week for eight weeks. And it was, it was very intense. Um, I was there some days as long as like three and a half hours, um, just doing exercises, very monotonous, you know, counting to, you know, 10, three times for everything and, um, trying to do both legs as well because you want to keep that, you know, some level of symmetry there, even Uh though the left one was just the one that had the surgery, um, and it was amazing you know when I first started out it was like difficult to walk and you know by the end I was doing you know an hour run outside and I was doing like 90 minutes on the underwater treadmill and I was doing squats and lunges and you know all sorts of stuff so it was really neat to see the progression it was amazing how there would be times and, like, I didn't just do physical therapy when I was at physical therapy. Like, I would do it three times a week with them, and then I would do it all the other days on my own, but just not as, as, as like, intensive. And on the days that I would do it on my own and stuff, like, I would notice such significant differences from, like, a morning session to an evening session. Like, I could tell that I was stronger. So, it was very encouraging. I never had a setback. It just was, like, every little step forward every time it was that much better so it was really neat to see and again you know I really trusted what Shippensburg Physical Therapy was doing and the people that I was working with and they really had a a Mm -hmm. protocol down that worked really well and so I like kept track of it all so that I could go back and see like if there was anything that caused like you know as we were going along like if there's anything that might have caused me to be like more sore or create a setback but i never had a setback and it was great
1: well that's pretty lucky
0: yeah i think it was well deserved after uh, all those months of frustration i was that's like fair. please tell me what to do and i'll do it well that's so. fair
1: so most of us more power to you, but most of us don't have that kind of time to devote to therapy and rehab and things. What do you think are some things that people who maybe can only see a physical therapist, you know, once a week for 45 minutes can do to help speed up recovery from whatever their injury might be?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, you know, every, every injury is different and every person is different. So it's tough to say like, you know, this is the magic exercise to do. Right. But I think that, um, you know, being really open with communication with your physical therapist is so key. And I found, you know, I worked with Josh and he would, he would give me, you know, these are the ones that are really important. So if I would have said, look, I have 45 minutes today what do we need to accomplish? He would say, this is how you're going to get the best bang for your buck today, you know, and he would make sure that, you know, I would get the most out of that, that day. So I always went in, like, I tried to get there a little bit early, and I would get my warm up done before, you know, I do like a 15 minute bike or 15 minute elliptical or something, um, as my warm up before I started all the exercises. So I'd always try and show up like a little bit early. So I would do that. So then that wouldn't be part of the time that I was like working with the doctor, you know, and then, you know, taking the exercises and just being really, really diligent at home. Um, that was a really big thing for me where, you know, it, Even if I only had, you know, a couple minutes in the morning, you know, maybe in the evening, um, just like watching TV or something, I would have some time that I would be able to be diligent and get in my three repetitions of, you know, all the different things that I was supposed to do. And I would say, like, if you could only go once a week to physical therapy, um, that doing it on your own is going to be really important because consistency is really key. So, I would try to do it at least like three to four days a week because, you know, the body is constantly healing and you want to make sure that you can optimize that.
1: So, now, what kind of tips would you have for avoiding injuries in general, whatever they may be? That's a, that's a broad question, I know, but just do your no, best.
0: it's a good question. I don't know if I'm the right one to ask, since uh, <laughs> my history here isn't too good. But like I said, a lot of mine have been completely fluke, um, which are really frustrating, because I feel like I'm one of those people that really does try to do the right thing. Um, but, you know, as runners, we, one, know our bodies pretty well, so... It goes both ways where I think that we can sort of turn off those pain signals um, because that's what we do every day is we push through pain and then all of a sudden, you know, it's not really that it hurts less. It's just that it, you know, it's a a hurt that we're okay with Uh and, you know, train our bodies to adapt to. But I think that warding off injuries... There's, you know, so many things that you can do, but getting information like I'm doing right now at the Olympic Training Center um, to make sure that, you know, there's no big imbalances or anything with my stride or with, you know, my strength or anything that could lead to an injury. So, you know, knowing that, um, you know, you're symmetrical, you know, having good form, being in the right sort of kind of shoes getting in a proper warm-up, some good stretching, all those things, though none of them may be super significant um, on their own, I think combined really have a lot of power in helping to keep someone healthy and running. So I would say look at the small things that you can do that all add up.
1: It's pretty sound advice. So what's um, what kind of races are in the future for you? Or do you know yet?
0: It's a great question. Um, So right now, I'm thinking a good time frame is probably August. I started running um, the first week of April outside. And so I've had really consistent, um, slow, steady progress. I'm up to about 65 miles a week right now. Um, Did a 14-mile long run yesterday and felt really good. So starting to feel much more like myself again. And I want to get in a couple more workouts to get an idea of where I'm at before I start really planning any races. Um, But I think it'll probably be one of those where it'll be, you know, I'll train, I'll train, I'll train. And then when I'm ready to race, I'll know it. And, you know, it'll happen the next week or something. I, I want to make sure that I don't put something on the calendar and then every day I'm like, oh, my God, 28 days, 23 right. days. You know, like, the countdown. So um, I think I want to make sure that everything's really good. We're really ready to rock and roll. Um, and then I'm excited to get back out there. It's been a long time. Hmm. And, you know, I think... Uh, Whenever I have to take time off, whenever anyone has to take time off, um, you start to appreciate things that maybe you took for granted before. And the thing is, like, I never really take running for granted, but it's, like, those little things, like, I just love the simplicity of being able to get up in the morning and go out for a run you know it was so tough whenever it was like okay well I have to get on the elliptical or the elliptigo or have to you know go into the gym to get in the pool and whatnot and so little things like that like I just I love waking up and going out for my run and I love meeting people and getting to run with people which is great being in Colorado you know there's always people to run with um yeah So that's been a lot of fun, just getting to know more and more people and, you know, broaden that network. And then, you know, racing is now something that I'm really starting to miss. But at first, when I was first coming back, it was just appreciating every single step that I could run.
1: Absolutely. So something that a few different people I've run, I've interviewed, have talked about is just enjoying that that simplicity of going out for a run. Where did... uh, is that something that you've always kind of thought about or is that or is it more recent with all these experiences?
0: Like I said, I think that this has sort of made me recognize it as something that I appreciate. Um, whereas before it was just part of the routine. You just wake up and you go for your run and that's just how you start your day. But when you can't do it and it's automatically just like wiped out of your, you know, daily routine, it's really challenging. And so I now recognize it as something that I appreciate and I wake up, you know, with a sense of excitement knowing that that's what I get to do. So I think, you know, I never really took it for granted, but I never really recognized it as something that was so important to me.
1: So what advice would you have, to get, would you, would you have for somebody who's getting ready for a race for first time or first time in a while?
0: That's a really good question because I'm actually coaching now, so I get to work with a lot of um, athletes who are preparing for races. And it's been a lot of fun because I get to do just that, you know, working with kids from the age of 12 the whole way up to, you know, 60-year-old. folks who are doing marathons versus the kids who are doing 400s, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's really neat. I have a whole, like, spectrum of athletes, and every race is different. Every person is different. Everyone requires something a little bit different leading into a race. But I would say, you know, it's really neat to get to talk about, you know, race strategy, race plans, how to back off, how to train leading into a race and working on like specificity with races. You know, I have if we're going to do some pace work stuff or, um, you know, if it's a track race versus a road vi- road race, um, how I want the workouts run and where I want them done and all of that. So it helps me be a better athlete because it makes me learn why I do the things I do And instead of just doing them because I was told to do them, you know, so I think that's been really neat. And I think that, um, you know, being a coach will also allow me to be a better athlete because of that. And the same thing will be true for racing um, where, you know, I think I'll be able to go into races knowing, um, having more information because I know you know, what I would tell my athletes to do if they were in my situation, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So how did the coaching come about?
0: Yeah, so it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, again, my dad's a coach, so I probably picked that off from him um, at mm-hmm. some point. But I went to college, actually, with a communication degree and a coaching minor. And that was something that was really unique um, that Shippensburg had to offer and I loved it um, and I catered all of my communication side of my major to coaching and how it would apply to coaching and so I ended up doing some internships um, and I put together a youth track program um, at a local elementary school in Shivensburg and I had 65 kids join. Um, so that was really fun. So I put in, like, about 50 hours working with them um, one spring in college. And so I knew that coaching was what I really wanted to do. And last fall, my husband and I started our own coaching business. It's called Get Running, And that's sort of my slogan. So um, I just carried that over from my personal training and everything um, into, you know, my coaching business. And so Get Running has been really successful. It's been way more rewarding than I ever could have imagined. And I'm loving it. So like I said, we have a huge array of athletes. Um, It's for anyone of any age, any ability, any goal. And basically, you know, my... My goal is to help um, people learn more and meet their goals, whatever they may be. Um, And I see it as a way that I can give back to a sport that's given me so much. And I can continue to learn more and develop um, as, you know, an athlete and a coach. And this is really what I want to do eventually um, is, you know, become more of a full-time coach Once my running, you know, starts to slow down, which hopefully won't be for many, many
1: years. Absolutely. (laughs) So this is something else I've been asking a lot of people who I've interviewed, including your dad. Um, There's a lot of people out there who run. You're finding that out. You coach a lot of them. How do you think we can turn more of those people who run into, like, fans of the sport? Because if you were to ask many people, say, what the Zatapak 10 was or who Neely Spence is... A lot of people wouldn't have any clue, even though there might be 5,000 of them at a given 5K. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, it's a tough thing because I've heard a lot about this actually recently with, um, you know, running becoming more of an event and less of a sport. Um, And there's definitely – it's exciting because running is growing um, you know, you go to local races, and there's 5Ks everywhere, and, you know, ev- like so many people have done a marathon, and the marathon numbers are just through the roof, and now everyone's doing these Tough mutters and these color runs, and all the stuff, people that would never, ever run before, and so I think it's really exciting, and it creates, you know, a better culture for us, because people are a little bit more health-focused, Um, just because of those things but it does take away a little bit from the sporting side of it and so you know I'll talk to my dad and it's amazing how you know some races that he ran at you know offered more prize money 20 years ago than they do now and for people who like myself who are trying to make a living off of the sport um, that doesn't work out so well and so You know, I don't know what the answer is exactly with um, developing the sport as a sport further, but there's definitely people who are involved. um, You know, I think of New York Roadrunners, and they do a really nice job of developing both sides of it where they really encourage the numbers and the participation, and they also really take care of their elite athletes. So I think just having more people like that and then it's neat, you know, going to like Eugene um, and you can see the, the whole town and everything is so excited to have runners there and the stands are packed. And that's such a cool feeling. Um, Boulder Boulder was amazing. You know, um, the stands were just mm-hmm. packed. Everyone's out on the streets cheering. And I think that makes it fun on all levels um, for the pros and for the participants. So I think also just developing that like combination of meshing, you know, the running community with the elite runners. And that's sort of what I'm trying to do with my coaching business Is um, and what I try to do with social media and everything is try and create a little bit more of a dialogue between, you know, your Run The pedestrian runners and the pro runners and sort of trying to, you know, mesh those worlds a little bit because the more support that I can develop for, you know, people knowing who I am, recognizing my name, creates me as a more marketable athlete and... It can be a really tough balance because as an athlete, you already get that, like, you're cocky, um, you know, whatever it could be, and arrogant yeah. and whatnot. Um, but then, you know, the whole point of being a professional athlete is you have to promote yourself and market yourself. And so there's definitely athletes out there who, you know, do a really, really good job of getting their name and getting that recognition and stuff and so I think that's really important um, because you know look at like football players and basketball players and hockey players and stuff like and the soccer players like these these guys are a little bit arrogant and they are a little bit cocky but people follow them and know who they are and recognize them because they're putting it out there and they're you know they keep seeing their names come up. They keep having that face recognition and stuff. And so it's tough because you don't want to have to, you know, be arrogant or anything like that. So you have to find that balance um, of getting people to know who you are but not being, you know, a jerk about it.
1: Fair enough. I think that's. Uh, I think those are some pretty good insights. Um, several people, including your dad, have offered similar ones. And, uh, According
0: to my husband, he says that we need to start offering beer at track meets because um, and betting, and that it just be it would be just like a horse race, and people love horse races, and then <laughs> that way that would attract a lot more people to the sport.
1: Yeah, he's not alone in that sentiment. <laughs> All right. Well, so my last thing before uh, before we uh, before we finish this is I want to ask you just a quick series of questions. Um, sure. What's your pre-race meal?
0: So I used to be, like, super specific, and I had to have tortellini with a Parmesan sauce the night before. And then the morning of, I would have to have waffles. And that was, like, my thing. That was high school, and then I hit reality. And reality is (laughs) that um, sometimes, like, if you're traveling internationally, um, all they have to eat is, like you know, in Jordan, hummus and pita, and then that's what you're going to eat before your race. (laughs) So, you know what, I don't have any, like, set, I have to have this, but I'd say one of my favorites is actually pizza the night before, but I like to have a balance of, like, you know, some salad, pizza, Um, so I get a little bit of the carbs, veggies, all that stuff, Um, but I'm pretty flexible, I'll eat pretty much whatever um, the night before, or the day of, for the most part, as long as I know it's safe and it's not too out there.
1: And what's your favorite workout?
0: My favorite workout, right now, it's every workout. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, But I'd say in the past, um, in high school, my favorite workout was 400s, by far. I loved doing 400s. Um, And in college, I would say my long run was probably my favorite workout um I love doing progression runs so where you start out easier and then like every couple miles you pick it up so that by the end you're doing like a little bit of a tempo-ish effort um and as a pro um with the Hansons I really liked one case. Um, I've had a couple of really awesome 1K workouts. And whenever I can nail a 1K workout, I know, like, I'm in really good shape. So I think it just depends on, you know, what phase I'm training of training I'm at. Um, right now, I'm doing, like, 200s and hill repeats and some miles and stuff like that. So I'm pretty much loving every workout currently.
1: All right. What's your favorite race event you've ever run?
0: My favorite event... Well, in college, it was definitely my freshman year, the DMR, whenever our DMR broke the national record. Um, it was amazing just to you know, be a part of that team and have all the puzzle pieces come together at the right moment um, and to share the victory with everyone on the team. We were all so focused on that one goal. So that was a really special moment. Um,
1: that is a fun race to watch. Yes. <laughs> what do you do for fun?
0: Um, For fun, other than run.
1: Right. <laughs> um, Maybe the answer is nothing.
0: <laughs> exactly. Runners are usually pretty boring people. Um, but I'd say I enjoy watching HGTV and dreaming of my dream home. I like cooking. I like making cards and scrapbooking, um, decorating, you know, All those, like, little things. I love babysitting. That's a really fun thing for me. I love little kids. Um, So whenever I have the chance, I always try and help people out. I volunteer in the nursery at church um, and different things like that just to try and get my baby fixed for the week. So um, that's something I really enjoy. And um, here in Colorado... There's so many outdoor fun things to do, so I try not to. I try to limit my like you know adventurous outdoor stuff like hiking and biking and all that. Right. Um, so it's so gorgeous here, and I want to do it all the time. Um, but I, they have like concerts in the park, um, mo- outdoor movies, um, like street fairs, farmers markets stuff like that, and that's a lot of fun to go to, walk around, people watch, so I think I'm, I don't know, I feel like I'm pretty versatile, pretty much I can find something to do anywhere that I enjoy.
1: Cool, and finally, what race would you love to run but haven't got a chance to yet? That might be a pretty long list for you at this point.
0: (laughs) I know, I was going to say, gosh, Um, so... I really want to run the, um, Oakley Mini 10K next year, hopefully. Um, I got to watch it last year and, um, ride in the, the lead vehicle, and that was really fun. Um, and that was right after I got my stress fracture, so I was so bummed because I think I would have yeah. done really well. Um, I really want to run a Diamond League race or Diamond League races, um, Again, I, that was on my plan last year, and then it fell through. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, the Boston Marathon someday. Um, 2018, it's on my birthday. So ah, wow.
1: Well. know.
0: Oh, just saying, throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously... Um, really want to run in the Olympics. That's a huge goal of mine, and, you know, trying to prepare for Rio 2016 is my major focus right now. You know, I don't really, I'm not even really looking at trying to peak necessarily anytime over the next year and a half. I'd rather just have some really nice, consistent, steady, more conservative training, because consistent training is really how I know I can stay healthy and meet my goals down the road. So, you know, Rio, maybe Tokyo also in 2020, make as many USA teams as possible, wearing that, you know, USA jersey representing my country is such an honor. I've had the opportunity to do it five times, and I definitely, um, each time has been so special, so that's another huge goal of mine. Um, Boulder Boulder is on my list for sure. You know, like I said, the crowd support, the environment, it's so awesome. It's a tough race. Um, But I really like the team concept. I think that's really cool. So um, that seems like a really fun one to do someday. And I'm sure there's so many that I'm (laughs) missing. I'd like to do Gate River. My dad always did really well at that one. And that was one of his big breakthrough races. I really enjoy cross. Um, So definitely looking to do some cross stuff. And actually, U.S. Cross is in Boulder in February, so right. I'll be back here.
1: <laughs> well, that is quite the list. Well, Neely, thanks very much for uh, being on the show today. We uh, really appreciate your time, and we wish you the best of luck and, uh, and continued health in the future.
0: Yes, thank you. That's the goal. I much appreciate all the support from the running community. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks very much.
0: Absolutely. Take care.
1: This has been a Runners Connect podcast. We'd love it if you could leave a short review on our iTunes page to let us know what you think of our podcasts and how we can make them better for you. Also, if you have a question about this episode or any other, please don't hesitate to ask. You can leave a comment on the webpage or leave us a voicemail at 617-356-7969. We'll do our best to answer as many of these questions as we can, either in a future episode or in one of our monthly Q&A sessions. I'm your host, Lucas Feldman, and thanks for listening.